Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavner here on TRSI. I'm here today with my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer. Michael, how have you been? I've been fine, Gary, and I hope you've been well too. Oh, it could be worse. Only one fa- person has threatened to sue me since the uh, last episode, so it's been a light week. You're obviously not doing your job. No, no, there was mention of criminal sanctions as well, but again, it was only one. Oh, well, criminal sanctions is good. I mean, that's better indeed than uh, sitting old fashioned just plain libel accusation. I've decided to start calling for the resignation of the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Well, that seems like a sensible place to start. Well, I think that's a position that will win me friends and admirers in the uh, in the legal system. Well, it'll bring you friends and admirers amongst all of those lawyers who want to be President of the Supreme Court. However, amongst those people who are already President of the Supreme Court, maybe not so much. No, and maybe not amongst the other Supreme Court judges, or amongst you know barristers who would you know think it was some sort of professional suicide to speak against the Supreme Court. Well, in fact, actually, upon review, probably a significant amount of uh, the legal profession who this isn't going to make me friends with. I don't know. I think the legal profession like a like a fight, they like a like a feisty litigant. They, somebody with a bit of character, a bit of eccentricity is always valued. I don't think they want to be actually seen with you, or in any way publicly associated with you. But for example, if you ha- you happen to be in the in the in the pen and wig at lunchtime when the pubs open again, if you're still at liberty, that is, and not in con- not in clink for contempt of whatever the gosh, probably a special kind of contempt. Contempt of the Supreme Court, kind of contempt. You know, you get. You probably have to put you in special kinds of handcuffs and maybe put you in a special kind of padded cell or something. But if you're still free, they'll down the pen and the the pen and week. They'll probably buy, buy you a pint. But as I say, not publicly in the in the snug. So I was I was uh, talking to John McGurk about you know, the thing happening with Seamus Wolfe and what we each thought, and he was originally on the side of, uh, no, the Chief Justice is right, and I was on the side of the Chief Justice is wrong and should resign, which is obviously a very different place. And John then changed his mind and he wrote an article on uh, basically how I was right. But I was, you know, momentarily overjoyed, Michael, because that meant that I didn't have to put my name to a request that the Chief Justice resign. Yeah, you'll have company. Yeah, and I would ideally, you know, not have to say anything. And then I read through his article. And the third paragraph where he starts talking about the conversation he had with his colleague, Gary Kavner, uh, about how the Chief Justice should resign. And there was a wonderful fuck. Yeah, that wonderful moment of realising that McGurk had decided, if I'm going down, that bastard's going down with me. Yeah, I didn't even get to write an article to hang myself. I'm now being hung in other people's articles by proxy. <laughs> this is why I never talked to McGurk. And I was like, right, well, I, I did tell McGurk this, so obviously I've got to be ready to stand over, you know, the things I said. But uh, I would have just preferred if my name wasn't attached to this. But no, I absolutely do think that uh, Frank Clark, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, uh, absolutely should tender his resignation at this point. And uh, those other judges who are uh, expressing doubts about sitting with uh, Seamus Wolfe, they could go freely on their way as well. And I don't think the court would lose a lot. Yeah, you see, I think what's happened here, Gary, is you have applied the logic of the nature of incapacity and unfortunately but you've just 
apply it in the other direction. Because let's imagine for a moment that I read the articles and thought, do you know what's getting really worrying? Myself and Gary have, are, are agreeing on far too much lately. Because that's precisely what I think. Now, I'm not saying that's the case, but let's say hypothetically, anybody who's listening, that was the case. All these people are saying, well, he's made himself. It, I, I, he, uh, he basically create, made it that he he is incapable of staying on the court because they're looking at the they're looking at the uh, the language which addresses the possibility of removing a, a judge from the high court, and I think they're playing fast and loose with the with the the law as written and the the and the intention behind it to talk about incapacity. He hasn't created incapacity. He's not mentally or physically incapacitated from fulfilling his his uh, his functions. Rather, the other justices have taken a position towards his position on the bench, which means that they won't... Well, the implication is, what's the word? They don't feel comfortable sitting with him. And ultimately, they don't want to have to sit with him. So if they won't sit then there can't be a court so he has to go but really it's 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 them that has to go yeah i i i suppose here's the thing about this the view i have doesn't actually require you to think that wolf should stay i do but you don't have to have that it's just to say that the court has a certain job it has a certain array of duties given to it by the constitution and it should do those and it shouldn't go into areas that are outside its purview. So, for instance, we know how we decide if judges go on the Supreme Court. Yes. And it's not, because the other judges want to pretend to be schoolchildren and refuse to sit with someone at lunch. And if the judges want to act that way, and then make it public that they're acting that way, well then, I think terms like serious doubts about the judicial temperament and capabilities should start to be thrown around. And I have invested way more time in this than I ever thought I would. Uh, but the, the core of it, I think, is this, Michael. Everything that Frank Clark accuses Seamus Wolfe of doing, of bringing the court into disrepute, of negatively impacting it to the public, everything he says that Wolfe has done has happened due to the actions of Clark past the initial dinner. So I went back and I read the transcript of the uh, the report that they had uh, Susan Denham, the former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, very respected woman. Very respected. The results of which the uh, Chief Justice is now pissing on because, you know, why not? And it's an interesting, here's an interesting line for you, Michael, because this is what she tells Wolf. She tells Wolf that um, she does not intend to publish the report other than to give it to the Chief Justice. But that report somehow became public. And it also somehow became public that the transcripts where he is directly talking to her, which I'm now reading, even though he was told that that was a private conversation. And it's in the transcripts that the stuff that actually damaged Wolf came out of. Yeah. So it almost seems like there was an internal investigation. It was dealt with. And then Clark didn't like the result. And so just threw something out. And then he starts saying in the letters that he's now released, which was a real 
you know, just just throwing the court in the mud right there. Great work, man. Uh, he says that, you know, the publication of that uh, material damaged the court. And you sort of go, you fucking released it. That was your choice. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. I think there are, there are a couple of things that one I would like one is one thing I would like clarification on. I ask in genuine inquiry when you look at the reports, it keeps saying that he breached regulations, regulations, regulations. Did he break the law? And that is that is the real problem here. This is the real clusterfuck that Clark has caused because Clark Clark puts in a letter that he thinks Wolf should resign. Now, Wolf has never sat in the Supreme Court. He was appointed to the Supreme Court, but he's never actually sat on it. Yeah. So he says that he should resign. He also says that that is his personal view, and it is not his job or his uh, purpose to give advice or to order him to do anything on this. Okay, the fact he said it privately is one thing, and I don't think he should have said it privately at all. He then tells Wolf that he's going to release the letter in which he says that Wolf should resign. Wolf writes back to say that releasing the letter serves no positive purpose. I mean, it can't, and also gives a long explanation for you know, why he doesn't agree with him. And then the Chief Justice releases two letters, two, in which he says another Supreme Court judge should resign. That makes it a political matter. That means the doll has to talk about it. This would be the first time ever for a doll to actually impeach and remove a Supreme Court judge. But, to the government, you have the Chief Justice saying that, effectively, that he doesn't think one of his judges should be on the court. So, you either remove him, and side with the Chief Justice, or you don't. And effectively, I mean, what are you saying about the Chief Justice judgment then? But the problem is, there's a report by a former Chief Justice, which says he didn't commit a crime, and resignation is not an appropriate punishment. So, I mean, which Supreme Court Chief Justice would you prefer to piss on, really? The current or the former? But frankly, I'm picking up a real, real nostalgia for the old days of 2017 and prior. Well, the first reaction, I think, that a reasonable person might have to reading this story and thinking, well, you know, if your concern is for the reputation of the court and the standing of the court in, in the wider public, if that is your only concern, why you, why would you publish this material? Why would you publish these opinions? And why, When you have said it is not your job to advise the government, it is not your job ultimately to, well, certainly not your job to decide on the fitness or, or, or otherwise of the candidates to the courts, that is the job of the uh, executive in the Oireachtas. Why would you do that? If it was a different context, and we weren't talking about serious, august, adult people occupying very serious positions, I would say it's almost like somebody was being inducted into the club that they didn't like, and they didn't like being forced to have fret, having to play with this guy or have him at their lunch table. Because, oh, God knows, he may rate the wrong rollers, or he may play soccer, not rugby, or he may have a strange accent, or have gone to the wrong kind of school, or all sorts of reasons why boys don't like people. But it's, 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 it sounds, frankly, I, I, I'm sure it's not, but it sounds, and 
like people say they, they, don't, they just don't like him if my concern is after all of that because I, I i i from the beginning we talked about this when this happened my, i said to you i did it, it, it would seem to me a wildly disproportionate for the judge to have to resign from the Supreme Court on the basis of this. He hadn't, when it, it seemed to be clear that he hadn't broken the law, but if there was an investigation, and I don't think anybody doubts the bona fides of former Chief Justice Denham, if there was an investigation which did suggest that actually, well, he, he may well have broken the law, then that was a different situation. It was the opinion of the former Chief Justice that he hadn't, and that his resignation would be disproportionate. If that had been just left where it was, then this story would have died. I don't think, pe my sense was that people weren't particularly agitated or engaged by it anyway. I didn't get there was a sense that there was any great swell of outrage amongst the, the population who felt that the, the highest court in the land had been tainted and damaged. But if you do this, if you do this in this way and you force a judge off the court, this to me feels like a, a precedent and a precedent which is dangerous and consequential because it is not the job of we to it bears reiterating it is not the job of judges to decide who is who sits on the court now we know that on the supreme court in the united states that there are, it is a, a bench of judges who have deep disagreements ideologically and philosophically however we're also told that as a as a group, collegiately, they get on very well together. And that's part of the, 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 there's a sense that this is part of the collegiality of being this unique group. I don't know the story is in the Irish Supreme Court. Maybe there are not deep philosophical positions, divisions, but there are divisions of personality. But for this to eventuate with the government appointed to the court leaving, being forced to leave because the other judges simply won't sit, is, is that's not, I don't think that's an acceptable consequence. I don't think it's acceptable for them to do that. And I don't think it's acceptable for the, 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 the Chief Justice to effectively blackmail his brother judge and indirectly the government in this way. It, this is not fitting. This, I do think, is potentially damaging to the court. It's kind of, it's gotten out of hand. But I, I just wanted to quote from you from part of, of Chief Justice Clark's letter. And it says, I, w I should say that the reasonable response of a great number of people to the transcripts has, in my judgment, caused even greater damage to the judiciary than did your attendance at the Clifton event. Frank Clark okayed the publication of those transcripts. Yes. So to say I am trying to minimize the damage to the judiciary, and by the way, the publication of this, which I did... Uh, has damaged the judiciary deeply, I find to be rather unconvincing. You don't find it rank hypocrisy? The problem here is that either the Chief Justice reasonably knew that this would cause controversy for the court and decided to publish it anyway and then blame Seamus Wolfe for the impact of that publication, or he didn't know that that was going to happen. And either way, it would seem, I, I don't think that bodes well for his judgment. On any matter. By the way, do you believe that actually the publication has caused some great sh shift in public opinion towards the court and towards the figure of uh, Justice Wolf? Do you think this is something which is 
up and down the country in COVID-ridden, quarantined houses, all the people are doing is fervently leafing through their copies of the Constitution and looking at the, the relevant legislation to see how this man can be removed? Or do you think that they're taking their remote controls and saying, when is the next episode of The Chase on? I, I don't think the public... The public, if they're interested in this story at all, I would imagine are in a hang em high mode from Gulfgate. But the chance of that having persisted over the time to get to this point, I think is minute. The public is not interested in this. But I, on why Justice Clark would, would care, there's two things I want to point out. Justice Clark... Uh, is talking about things that Wolf might have done that were damaging. And he says, this is a quote from his letter, This was compounded by a characterization in correspondence of your meeting with three colleagues on October 2nd, which suggested inappropriate behaviour on their part. Now, later on, Wolf absolutely denies that's what he meant, but this is the meeting where he went in and they said they might not want to sit with him. Now, from the letters released, it looks like that was set up by the Chief Justice. And those people were effectively speaking with his permission. Right. Now, that's one thing. A second thing, and Wolf mentions this in his letter, is Wolf actually got the okay from the Supreme Court to go to the golf event. Not the dinner, because when he got the okay, that wasn't the issue. And do you know who gave him the okay, Michael, to go to this event? Was it the president of the court? Oh, Michael, it would indeed be the Chief Justice, Frank Clark. Well, knock me down with a feather. I'm shocked, Gary, shocked and horrified to discover that there's gambling going on in this institution. And here's, here's another thing from Clark's letter. It is my view and the unanimous view of all the members of the court, including the ex-officio members, that the cumulative effect of all of these matters has been to cause a very significant and irreparable damage both to the court and to the relationship within the court, which is essential to the proper functioning of a collegiate court. And then he says, it's not my part of my role to ask, let alone tell you to resign. Resignation is and can only be for the judge, him or himself. Regrettably, however, I believe that I should make clear in my personal opinion that to avoid continuing serious damage to the judiciary, you should resign. I asked you to reflect on this. You've indicated that you do not intend to resign. So he wants Wolf to resign so that there is no more damage to the reputation of the judiciary. And Wolf writes back to him and says, I've considered it. I'm not going to resign. And Clark writes back again to reiterate that Wolf should resign. And then he releases it. Could you just read again that bit where it says it's not his position to... Oh, yes, of course. It is not part of my role to ask, let alone tell you to resign. It's not my position to ask to ask you to resign. I, I, I would like another, another lawyer to come here and explain to me precisely how he is not indeed asking the Wolf, Justice Wolf, to resign. Anybody who speaks English as a first language, I think that is precisely what he is asking. And somewhere between asking and telling, in fact, uh, Justice Wolf to do. It's, it's you know, remember the, there was the recent debate over uh, whether one of the doctors forced out by the HSE had been forced out? Because technically the HSE didn't fire him. Yes. They just summoned him and told him that they had lost confidence in him. Yes. And he resigned. And, you know, it became very important that this, they hadn't made him do that. They've just very strongly implied he should do that. I, in any other business, this would not fly. This would be absolutely seen as an attempt to force out an employee. Um, would you think this would fall under the category of constructive dismissal? 
Absolutely. But here's an interesting thing about the um, about the letters that were released. This is what Wolf says. Were it not for the fact that you said to me at the meeting on Friday that you proposed to publish your letter, I would leave the matter outlined above and hope it would enable us shortly to treat it as closed and work to restore the very good relations which have previously existed between us. However, if you propose to publish your letter, you will appreciate that I cannot leave some of the remarks in your letter stand without comment. And he goes to, at length, debate with the Chief Justice and disagree with them, mm-hmm. which was then released. That section of the letter only exists because Clark has said, I'm going to publish this. And just on the um, the idea of how this is being taken, did you see the front page of The Independent today, Michael? Was that Phil Jean's article? I think the headline was, Top Judges Go to War. Oh, yeah, sorry, yes, yeah, yeah. No, I thought, I, yeah, that's right, sorry. Philanchina also has an article in there somewhere, which is something like uh, Seamus Wolf has the constitution and the law on his side. Yeah, I just, you know, I saw top judges go to war on the front page of possibly <laughs> the most widely read newspaper in this country. And I stood there, Michael, and <laughs> the, the sheer fucking joy in my heart that welled up that we have a man of the temperament and care of the Chief Justice shepherding the court through this and ensuring that nothing, you know, no monumental fuck-up that is entirely foreseeable occurs on his watch. Well, it is important that nothing happens that might impact on the public's perception of the court and the, the public's confidence in the court. And Michael, it is entirely possible that he's playing the long game here and that he will in fact protect the reputation of the court by fucking destroying his own. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me tell you, up to this point, Michael, I didn't agree with Frank Clark on certain personal issues. But other than that, perfectly respectable judge. But this, this has really made me question if this is a man (laughs) who should be on the Supreme Court in any capacity. I'm not sure he should be let into the room to tidy up the paper. I'm sorry. In my head, I'm just. I'm imagining Michal Martin. Now, this being Michal Martin will never happen. Maybe Leo, if Leo was in, or somebody like Pat Rabbit or Alan Kelly, but just uh, just imagine writing the letter, Dear Chief Justice, it is not my place to ask, or certainly not to tell you to resign. However, because ultimately, I mean, there's going to have to be a resolution to this, because it, it seems to be getting kind of poisonous now. Well, here's the thing. What is, what is the doll going to do? If it goes to the doll, it has to go to committee and then to the doll and to the challenge. We need unanimous support for it. Well, not not voting-wise, but it needs to go through all of the bodies. And there's a report saying that resignation is not is not suitable. So what is the doll to do here? Even the opposition parties bar like people for profit, so they'll say anything. Yeah. Even, like, Sinn Féin, Labour, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, the Greens are all like, now, lads, let's not say anything about this. Let's just... Stall, stall. It'll be... Clarky, Clarky, he's not worth it. He's not worth it. <laughs> you know? Pull me back, Clark- man. Pull come, me back. Come on, come on. Come on, we'll go get chips. Come on, we'll, we'll go get chips to be grand. Here's an interesting uh, thing from Wolf's letter, particularly in the context of Clark releasing the letters. Which means at some point Clark decided he was going to release the letters and he was going to release the report. He was going to release the transcript. Yeah. And it's here. Wolf is talking about how the correspondence he had with uh, Justice Denham was an internal process and it was private. And then he says, 
This is a point you made to me in your letter of 2nd October when I had suggested bringing my counsel to the proposed meeting with three members of the court, not as an advocate, but as someone whose experience might have been helpful in assisting the resolution of the process. You explained to me that this would be inappropriate, given that this was a matter internal to the court, but that I could be accompanied by a fellow judge. I have corresponded with you since on that basis, and would therefore be surprised if you should choose to publish our correspondence. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There is actually something kind of joyful about two judges writing to each other. The language. I should therefore be surprised. <laughs> As in, I fucking knew you were going to do this. You bastard. <laughs> oh, it's... Do you, it this reminds, do you ever, you probably don't remember, there's a, a wonderful play called Les Liaisons Dangereuses, or Dangerous Liaisons, and there's a line in it, when a woman strikes, the result is always fatal. And I, I fear that in this case, we're going to discover that when a judge strikes, the result is going to be fatal to somebody. I can't see everybody coming out of this alive. I mean, Wolf goes on, Michael, to say, Nonetheless, I cannot see how the publication of such internal differences, culminating in a difference of view as to whether or not I should resign from the court, can be helpful to the court yeah. itself or to the public interest, particularly where, for the reasons I explained below, I do not consider it in any way appropriate that I should resign. So, Wolf <laughs> agrees to meet with Clerk and says, I should, you know, I should bring counsel just to deal with this. And Clerk's like, no, 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 it's informal, it's, it's off the rack, it's fine. But at some point, Clark had to decide, no, no, actually, it's this is going to become public. But it only becomes public through his decision to make it public. Yes, which damages the court, which then means that he asks Wolf to resign. And Wolf says no. Because Wolf reasonably would argue that it was not ultimately Wolf that was the author of the damage, but the Chief Justice. Or at least that, is, I imagine, is the line of argument his, his counsel will be taking when this goes to the Employment Tribunal. I'm actually not sure if the Supreme Court is covered by the Employment Tribunal, but Michael, I would love to see like a workplace commission dispute of the Supreme Court. Yeah, with your local the shop steward from City Just from like there a so will, you be, will you be representing yourself? Like, yeah, I think I can handle it. Yeah, yeah. I got me mate. It's it's not funny, Gary. And uh, <laughs> sorry. It's not funny. It's very serious. And uh, Also, the principle here, the principle that the justice is setting up, and Wolf mentions this, that Clark is saying that he should, he has to observe even non-binding government guidelines. I'm sure there's a government guideline somewhere, which is like, don't act like children having a spat, and then bring the Supreme Court into a political debate publicly. Yeah, if it, Maybe not in that language, Michael, uh, but I but, assume that was the end point of it. But th let's take that point to take that point rather seriously. He didn't break the law, but he broke a regulation. Um, you might say he broke it in good faith. He had asked for advice from his employer on whether or not this was something he could do or not. His employer advised him it was okay. So he goes along, he acts in good faith, and it turns out that, you know, the whole thing blows up rather badly because more of the context of the thing rather than the thing itself. In the future, if a judge, again, as I say, doesn't break the law, but in some way infringes on the spirit of a directive, a regulation, does that 
mean that in every other case like this in the future, the other judges will feel it necessary to call him out? I, I really feel uncomfortable with this notion that we, we are calling not on the... This is going beyond the demand that the judges be Caesar's wives because I don't believe that there ultimately was any question or even whiff of corruption about this. There was no sense of this being involved in some kind of penumbrally corrupt act. There was nothing secret about it. The event was public and indeed publicised. He apologised. He apologised, it seemed, sincerely. He was contrite. It moved on. The people moved on. If now this is going to be the standard which is set, it's the, I suppose the problem is, and this is what I'm struggling to get at, is the standard will be decided not by any written law, but really by the temperament of the temper of the other of the of the, the other courts on, on other judges on the court, particularly the the Chief Justice. And how they decide and if there are personal problems, if there are breakdowns in collegial relationships, if there are perhaps even deep philosophical or deep ideological differences on the court one would worry that they could be exploited in this way. We we make it very, very difficult to remove a judge from the court, and that's for a very good reason. We wa- I mean, we had to take a constitutional amendment in order to allow for tax changes that would be, which would affect the remuneration of judges, because the constitution is is framed so that you can't use judges' wages against them. Or payment, or the against them, uh, the government can't use that against them in, in order to put them under pressure to, to to act in a certain way. We protect the independence of our judges, and we protect that, particularly the Supreme Court, that sense that they are appointed and permanent fixtures, and they can they can make their minds up and interpret the laws as they see fit without pressure from anybody else. That's a very important thing, and I, I just don't like the feeling of this. And I don't, I don't doubt that, I don't imagine that the Chief Justice in any way sees this as being something that might eventuate from this. But I, I as a mere mortal, worry about these kinds of things. I don't like it. I don't like this. This is a precedent that is, I, there's no need for it to be set. This could have been sorted out. Here's, here's the thing. The Chief Justice has effectively put this to the government as something to deal with. Whether or not he intended to do that, although I will say, if he didn't at least foresee the possibility that this would cause the government to at least have to comment on it and consider acting, then he shouldn't be in his position, simply put. It is so clearly visible. But what did he do that for? Did he do it because a justice had committed a crime? No. Did he do it because a justice had made a ruling which severely erred in his understanding of law and gave doubt to his ability to fulfil his duties? No. Did he do it because he didn't like Wolf? No idea. Did he do it because Wolf is unpopular? That appears to be basically it, because that is the argument from public perception and public damage that Wolf is no longer popular. And if the Chief Justice is perfectly fine with setting a precedent that unpopular judges can be removed from the Supreme Court, I've got to tell him, it's going to be a very uncomfortable time for judges for the next while, because the media will ride that like a dog. Well, I'd say if I'm going to 
defend the, the Chief Justice here, I would say he would respond to it, would say it's not a question of popularity, but that the public awareness of what uh, of what the Justice, the Justice Wolf did has compromised him as uh, a judicial figure, that his, shall we say, his ethical standards have been compromised, his, his adherence to the regulations should have been Simon Pure, he should have been... Before these letters were made public, the Chief Justice set up a meeting with three judges of the Supreme Court and Wolf, and at that meeting, Wolf was told that some of his colleagues might not be happy to sit with him, and he says in his letter that he was told he would not be allowed escape unscathed from this. Now, that's before. Mm. And it sounds a little like a threat. Also, I will say this, is that Wolf says that he had two com- telephone conversations with the Chief Justice, and he had one, what he describes as sympathetic WhatsApp exchange, with one member of the court very on, very early on, not a single member of the court has made any effort to contact me during this period or to find out my view in relation to the matter. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I think it's fair from that to me to at least consider the possibility that some of my colleagues might have formed views that I was guilty of some serious misjudgment. And I expressed that concern to what I thought was privately. He also says that the uh, Chief Justice, when, when they eventually met informally to discuss these informal resolutions... The Chief Justice just read him a draft of the letter and told him this was not a meeting for negotiations or exchange. So effectively, the Chief Justice decided he should resign without actually ever sitting down with him to go, like, what happened here? Not that, of course, it is his role to ask for or even to recommend or tell him to resign. Because we know that. Because he said so. Yeah, and then just just the last... because. Only three letters have been released, and it's very important to come. These all came from Clark. So Clark released two of his own letters and one of Wolf's, and that I think is important because one of the things that Clark says in the last one, and this gave me a really kind of bad taste in my mouth, Michael, mm-hmm. is uh, I intend shortly to publish the draft letter, your response, and this letter. I consider this course of action necessary in the public interest. Here it is. I will consider any suggestions which you may make as to the publication of other parts of our correspondence for completion. Oh. Which is to say, Clark is going to decide what the public gets from this correspondence. Mm-hmm. Wolf doesn't get a choice here. You may put ideas to Clark, but it's going to be Clark who decides what's coming out. And if Wolf were to do it, that would be a leak. Whereas Clark can just give it out. Can he? Well, he can release it publicly and say it's in the public interest, which is what he's been doing. Again, well, that may be perfectly legal. It, it it doesn't feel very ethical to me to release a correspondence if the correspondence was understood by both parties to be a private correspondence. Or shall we say, where one party understood it to be private and the other party knew that the other party considered it to be private and did not uh, deliberately chose not to disabuse him of that idea. There's also like there's points where um, Wolf says that the party didn't breach the regulation, and the Chief Justice says, "You, know, it's debatable whether it broke the regulations. What is unarguable is that the event gave the impression of being designed to circumvent regulations, which is to say, the facts don't matter. 
What actually matters is how the public perceived them. But no, Gary, he's not even saying that. He's saying that it gave the impression that it was designed to circumvent the regulations, which is actually a fancy lawyer way of saying to obey the regulations, but in a way that maybe people would not have uh, initially been pleased with. But yes, I mean, being picky there, but it's, it's, it, he's been hung for not, not even breaking the regulation. I mean, that's a, I suppose it's not a court of law, but if it was a court of law, you would be very upset if the judge said, well, now we accept that you didn't break the regulation. However, some people might think that you looked like you might have, you might have breached the regulation if you hadn't done these clever things and therefore you're we're going to send you down to the to the joy for three months that would be upsetting you'd hope that not breaking the regulations was good enough to keep you out of trouble and i mean there is you know, of course there is the argument that it's not enough for a judge to avoid impropriety you must also avoid the appearance of impropriety but there's that and there's kind of this which is i think way too far the last letter from clark also says that those judges who met him, uh, they were authorised to speak on behalf of the court. Hmm. So, doesn't sound like authorised to speak on behalf of the court to say that members of the court might not sit with you and you were not going to escape this one unscathed. Does that sound like... Yeah, but Gary, can I ask just a naive question here? Where do they get the right to do that? But they don't. Where do they get the right to say? Because what they're saying is, if a case comes before the court, which requires the full bank of judges, and speaking here, sadly, when it comes to the functional end, they know a little bit more about the United States Court than ours, but all the judges are sitting, and he turns up, they don't get to stand up and say, well, we're not going to hear the case because he's here. Where do they, they don't get to make that choice, do they? Here's the thing. The, th- the last letter from Clark quotes from another letter which doesn't appear to be publicly available because he says, I do not agree that expressing my opinion can properly be characterized as, quote, judges pressuring another judge to resign, end quote, and or somehow inconsistent with the principle of judicial independence, which I think is total fucking nonsense on both points. It is, as Jeremy Bentham famously once said, nonsense on stilts. So just a, just on this point, on, just for the listener, on judicial independence, the idea of judicial independence is largely that the judiciary should be independent of political interference. But a core component of that is the understanding of what constitutes judicial work and political work, and that those things work together but do not intrude onto each other's area, which is to say that deciding who sits on the court is the job of the government. So by trying to decide who sits on the court, you are absolutely interfering with judicial independence because you are involving politics in it. Also, I think if you go back to your your quote from the previous statement, it just baffles belief, the, the notion that what he's doing is in some sense not putting pressure on him. How is it not putting pressure on him? If he's not putting pressure on him, why is he doing it? To what purpose? To what end? Well, there's, there's only one foreseeable end here. If, if he didn't want Wolf to resign, why did he make it public? 
because it looked like he had gotten as far as he could push it himself. Wolf had said no, and when Wolf said no, he decided to make it public knowing, or at least have, or he should have known, that this would then involve the government in it and could potentially force the resignation of Wolf. Well, perhaps, Gary, like the other another great judge in history, Pontius Pilate, it was important for him that everybody should see that his hands were clean, that he had done everything that he could possibly do, but now... The case had come to an end. He his hands were he had his hands were clean, but it must the public must uh, and must see that that is the case. After that, what Justice Clark wants to do, or Justice Wolf wants to do, is his own business. Uh, however, that might be a bit tendentious. Now, just just on the on, on the the Clark letter, Clark does say that he thinks it's important to emphasise that Wolf's colleagues at the meeting of September or sorry October the second neither suggested that you should resign nor indicated that judges would be unwilling to sit with you. So that's that might be right. What we heard from Wolf or was reported about Wolf might be slightly misshapen in that, and the judges never actually said that they uh, sat with him. But that appears to be somewhat of a uh, incongruity between the stories from the two uh, factions. But I just. Because obviously we can't talk about this endlessly. One thing he does say, uh, Clark says, I recognise that the events which have occurred and the protracted process are a source of damage to the judiciary and to the Supreme Court in particular. But I have to say that I think it would be more damaging to the court if I were to either simply accept your view or perhaps worse, be seen as willing to permit the false impression to be given that I did so. To which I would say, there was a report, there was an investigation by Justice Denham. At that point, that simply could have been accepted and he could have been dealt with through the informal system, which looks like what would have happened is he wouldn't have been assigned a court case until the new year and he would have had to give a certain amount of his salary to charity, which I think at that point people would forget about because the Supreme Court is not an item of interest to the public. It should never be on the front page of the Irish Independent. Sorry, Gary, could you do me a favour? Could you read back the last bit of that quote? That what would be what would be even worse would be... If I were to either simply accept your view, or perhaps worse, be seen as willing to permit the false impression to be given that I did so. Even worse than the false impression. Who the hell does he think is thinking about what the Chief Justice thinks of this... I mean, who are these people that are so worried? They're thinking, ah, but okay, we had the Denim. We had the Denim report. He, the Denim report said what it said. This is the result. That's But that's it. What, what's going on with the Chief Justice? What does he think? Does he agree with the Denim report? Does he, think, does he think the wolf should be left in? We have to know. Was this the cry that went up from Donegal to Bantry Bay? Christ Almighty, what? Does he think we all live in the law library? Who cares? Now people care. Now people are talking about it. Now it's a subject for discussion. But before all of this, after the Denham report, how many non-lawyers in this country were saying, well, I'm really concerned now that this seems to suggest that the Chief Justice is perfectly happy with the appointment of Wolf, even after Golfgate. How many people were there saying that? It would not be terribly difficult for the Chief Justice to make it known in legal circles that he was not terribly happy with uh, Seamus Wolfe. Informally, quietly, in a way that 
didn't involve the headline, Top Judges Go to War. Gary, I would say even more circumspectly, it would be perfectly possible for him to have made known that he wasn't terribly happy with Judge Justice Denham's report, rather than even personalising it to the level of uh, talking about Seamus Wolf. All he had to do, well, I wasn't massively happy with the report myself, you know. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice chap, you know. Decent guy, saw him on the law library often, used to have a cup of coffee. Grand guy. But, you know, the way things worked out, I think Susan, well, I think she let him off, frankly. She didn't, he didn't even have to personalise it. Just let it be known. If he felt he had to, why it would have to be? I, I, I don't know, but if he was concerned about other lawyers' opinions of his acquiescence, maybe that was... But the notion that this was a, a, a source of great public concern seems to me to be absolutely, well, wrong-headed, shall we say, just to keep it. Civil. I, I, I've, I've quite enjoyed because the, the, the general public response I've seen to this has just been a sort of the neck on wolf. He has to go, to which I would generally say for what. But the interesting one has been people saying that you know this is this is the golden circle in Ireland. This is you know a chance for someone in that golden circle to be shown that they can't just do whatever they want. To which I would say, well, if we examine the actions of the Chief Justice versus Seamus Wolfe and ask which one of these breaches more of the norms and could have a more negative impact on the judiciary, I think it's pretty clear it's the Chief Justice. So you want to talk about someone from the Golden Circle throwing around their weight in a way that is ill-advised and frankly damaging to the judiciary, well, then only one of these people really needs to be punished, and it's not Seamus Wolfe. Well, Gary, having sufficiently i think made me complicit in your outrageous and uh what was what was the debate we had like three weeks ago where you wouldn't say something about the supreme court and their judicial temperament so that uh because you you know you were terribly fearful about what if you ever went up in front of them and then you get on a few weeks and you're like no he has to go no i didn't say he's a rascal he's a scoundrel you're putting words in my mouth now it is not my position gary to invite, let alone to tell the, the, the Chief Justice that he should resign. I'm merely saying what my opinion is and leaving my observations out there. It is in no way should this be construed as my attempt to put pressure upon him to take that decision. So it is not your stated position that Chief Justice uh, Frank Clark is a rascal? <laughs> I'm sure he's an absolute rascal, but in the best possible sense. But as I say, having... Having since McGurk drew you into the nets and now you've drawn me into the nets, at least we'll have some hopefully uh, company in the exercise yard. Can we mount? Can we move on, please, God? We can. We can move on shortly. I just, just one more thing. Oh, there's always one. Another six. There's another six months. Yeah, gets another six months onto it. Go on. Um, the public response to this I have found very odd, because when I heard this, my immediate response was. That's overstep. And that's rather significant overstep. And that could set a precedent which is corrosive. Uh, if, if, if the bar is this low to be removed from the Supreme Court, and it doesn't matter that there's a report saying you shouldn't be removed. Yes. And I just, I was talking to people about it, and some, they just, I'm not sure if they didn't get it, or they got it and they just come to an entirely different view it than I have. Because people can disagree and you know, have legitimate views. I think that's important to stress here on this. 
But it's just, I just most of the people I talked to were like, no, it's no, it's entirely fair. And I just felt like I was you know, slowly going insane the more people I talked to. Because no one shared that that was a concern. And it's just, I'm just curious about your experience because like, it just seems on the face of it like a terrible road to go down. The people I've talked, I haven't talked widely about it. I've talked to maybe three or four, meh, five, half a dozen people maybe. My experience has been a, a great groaning indifference, frankly. Well, obviously the majority of people don't care. I'm talking about people like in politics. Oh, alone. people in politics. I thought I was talking about real people. No. No, no, not real people, Michael. No no one real gives a shit about this. Oh, sorry. No, no sorry, oh, sorry, inside Beltwave Harry's. Um... I would say most of them, yeah, a similar, mostly their sort of initial reaction. I would say, I, I would actually say most of them hadn't really thought about it a great deal. They just sort of said, ah, well, he has to go, that's it, sure, he's caught. No, he just won't go. That's, you know, surely it can't be hard, that hard to find another blue shirt in the law library to get to take to do a job for them, you know? But I don't think a lot, the people had, had really thought about it very long. And my position from the beginning, I thought it would be wildly disproportionate uh, for him to resign over this. And if it, this set a precedent, it would be problematic. It's even more so if it's going to be as a result of pressure from the bench, uh, problematic. And when I expressed that opinion, uh, I got a certain amount of, oh, yeah, 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 maybe. I could say something like that, yeah. But not... I don't think they thought about it. They just thought, you know, he was caught. You know, he'll if the, if the story keeps going, he's gone. I think their reaction was at the beginning. It looked like he was he was he was safe because he wasn't a big part of the story. He was a little, it started to bubble a bit, but then the Denim report came in, and he was he was fine. And if this hadn't, if all of this brouhaha essentially that has come up now, that's really what's put the tin hat on it because. Who's going to save him? What's going to save him ultimately is his own. Well, if he if he wants to, his own intransigence. If he's that kind of man, because otherwise it's going to take a hell of a lot of time and effort to get rid of him. And you know what? Halfway through the process of impeaching him, somebody's going to look and say, "Hold on, hold, we're impeaching the judge for what precisely? What? I I I don't think." That if the, if this goes to a committee in the door and it starts to be parsed bit by tiny bit, it's it'll start to look just silly to go through this incredibly serious process, the removal of a Supreme Court justice. I think there will at that stage develop a sense of what the fuck are we at? But I may be completely wrong. It has happened before. Yeah, I I uh, I don't know. I I think. I, on a media perspective, this could be a really good precedent to set because then we can just put photographers outside these people's homes. Look, absolutely. And maybe some of them have financial issues. Some of them have, uh, you know, sexual proclivities that would be unpopular with the public. And if that's the bar, uh, well, some of th- I mean, you know, some of them may. Why shouldn't the Supreme Court be in the tabloids on a weekend, Michael? Some of them, you know, might be found on a public licensed premises at five past. The hour, and well, that I mean, you've—we've all heard certain stories about judges in various parts of the countries over the years, which were kind of embarrassing or were whatever. And you just—you kind of, or maybe you know, maybe indicated somewhat of a drinking problem. 
and you just left it because they're judges and you leave them alone and they're not public figures and so nothing is served from reporting on it and in fact it could be damaging to the courts. But if it's if that's the standard, if this is all fair play... And remember what the standard is. The standard is not even breaching the regulations. The standard is being perceived to act in such a way as to circumvent the regulations. That's the standard. That to me effectively seems to say that judges are now public figures. Because if, if that is the standard, if it's the understanding of the public of their actions, well then any of their actions would seem to be of interest to the public because they need to know about these people. I wouldn't pull too hard on that strand. The judges may not be public figures in the same way as the Taoiseach or the leader of the opposition, but I, we, I don't know if we could argue that the, that a member of the Supreme Court is a fully a private figure either. Oh, no. I mean, Michael, even if it was legally right, it would never get through. Anyway, we will. We, 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 we await developments. That's another riveting 60 minutes on the inner workings of the Supreme Court and the procedural issues and precedents that may be set. Yes, I'm sure the people are out there delighted and elucidated by that whole experience. I think we may actually have run out of time. Okay. <laughs> well, um... We can return to the desperate, maybe at another time, the desperate and continuing justice that has been done to women by the patriarchy and the capitalist exploitative system. And the other good news is that we're all going to survive and that the Germans, yet again, German chemistry is going to come to our aid. Oh, actually, I have one final question for you, Michael. What's that? That you're not going to like. Oh, God. So, if the just, the Chief Justice will make oh, letters public on why this... Why are you doing this? If anything ever arises with another justice or with a judge of a lesser court and he doesn't release a statement on it that's saying that he should think they resign, does that mean that effectively it should be read that the Chief Justice is supporting that judge in their position? Because I do remember there was an issue with a judge and child pornography a while ago and I don't seem to recall any letter calling for their resignation from the Supreme Court. So I'd just like to know for the next time that happens. Now, Gary, you see, you've now gone and produced a sentence containing the words judge and child pornography and that's not a sentence that I'm going to get involved with because that's a sentence you can... That's a, that's a sentence you can serve all by yourself. And if we have run on time, I'm going to try. Very, and that was that, that was that was Gary and not me. I wouldn't possibly comment. I couldn't possibly comment. And I'm sure it's all a, a, a tissue and a fabric of of peculation and and and, and falsehoods. No, no. I just I just want a system in which everything a judge has. Has done. We can look to uh, Justice Clark and say, "Was that good or not?" And like, will you be calling for his resignation? I mean, it's you know, it's fair, Michael. Everyone should be treated equally. Indeed. No matter how small a judge they are. And we will be back on Wednesday. Well, I'm hoping I'll be back. Um, it's this is going up on Wednesday. What day is it? Oh God, that's it's right. It's Tuesday, Michael. Then we'll be back on Friday. All, all things being equal, we'll be back. They all Friday. just started to meld together. They are. Blame it on the pandemic. Uh, other than that, um, enjoy your freedom out there. Freedom guaranteed by uh, the fine, the fine legis, the fine uh, judicial system that we have in this country, staffed by fine legal brains, men and women who are upstanding and fair-minded, who understand the need for, you know, I would say, you know, spirited but well-meaning 
observations from the third estate. Are you uh, are you referring to the sort of fair-minded and, and high-idealed judges who absolutely understand between that merely going on a podcast with someone does not mean you agree with what they say about the Chief Justice? Absolutely, and I think that they would understand that. Uh, I think particularly the, the senior, judi- senior judges and a higher level judiciary understand these things in a way because, let's face it, they are some of the best educated and wisest people in the country. So I'll be going to bed happy and safe that I'm living in a in a democracy, a free and liberal country with constitutional liberties guaranteed by the judges of the Supreme Court. I, I see you've hit the rambling legal level of legal concern. And I think people should notice that because perhaps there's, I think perhaps there may be issues here of cognitive Cognitive, dis- uh, cognitive problems here. There may be something physiological going on. I smoked a long time. So, I, I mean, it could be galloping brain rot. You never know. All sorts of issues going on here. So, until any more issues arrive, and Gary wants to make one more final lethal fucking point, I'm going to say <laughs> goodbye, and we'll be talking again on Friday. There's, there's no, there's no, 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 no. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're, we're over. All the best. Bye-bye.